you so much for joining me on Teach Me How to Money. Today we have, as always, a special guest because I only have special guests. We have Jen Fitzgerald from Policy Genius. Hey, Jen. Hey, Lindsay. So tell me really quickly, what is Policy Genius and what do you guys do? So Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace. So we make it easy for consumers to shop for, get advice, and buy insurance across all lines. So health insurance, life insurance, disability insurance, renter's insurance, you name it. We're the one-stop shop for that. So when I met you in 2016, um, we were talking about health insurance, and you were talking to me about why people are afraid to get health insurance. And I had a lot of opinions about it being expensive and people not knowing where to sign up. And uh, your team had a lot of a lot of thoughts on that. Why do you think it's so hard for people to find insurance? I think people at their core are terrified of making a bad decision for themselves and their family, right? So when you get down to it, health insurance is really about that most personal of things, which is your health. Yeah. And what do you do if you get sick? And what do you do if you get really sick or get into a bad accident? So I think, you know, having talked to a lot of consumers in the health insurance space, people are just scared of making a bad decision. Sure. Uh, the health insurers don't make it easy. You know, there's um, infinite, uh, like, acronyms that you have to understand. You know, the bills are confusing. You'll get seven bills for the same procedure, the same doctor's visits. So, you know, it's just a really intimidating space for consumers. And on top of that, health insurance is typically one of the bigger items in your budget. Um, So people are just really scared about making the wrong decision. So that leads us to uh, a big question that I'm sure all of our listeners want to know, why is health insurance so expensive? That is a great question. And I think, you know, We've thought a lot about it, researched a lot about it, and really the the U.S. has a very bizarre system that you don't find anywhere else where you've got this triangle of the end consumer, the healthcare provider, uh, and then the insurance company, right? Um, and in fact, it's more of a square because for most of us, we get health insurance through our employer. That's right. So there are four players, whereas in most countries, that's not the case. So it just adds a lot of complexity to the system. For sure. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of things that drive up the cost. So the complexity is one of them. Um, the, you know, our litigation system is another one, right? So if you talk to a lot of doctors, it's because, you know, you can sue for anything. Medical malpractice sure. drives up a lot of costs. Doctors have a lot of insurance costs themselves. Um, And, you know, the intermediation between the person who's ultimately receiving the service and then the person who's providing the service, be it the hospital or doctor, all of those extra levels just add cost and complexity to the system. So it can seem that for young people who don't go to the doctor very often, a lot of them say, well, what am I paying for? I might as well just risk it. Yes. So a lot of folks do. And, you know, for minor things, that's probably fine. Um, But, you know, the one piece of advice we give to to our customers and to our audience on on our blog is do not forego health insurance. You know, one bad accident, one catastrophic diagnosis could, you know, ruin you financially. Absolutely. So here's a question I have. Why is health insurance more expensive in one state than in another state? That's a great question. And it has to do with the the big thing is the underlying cost, right? So if you think about the cost of, you know, running a doctor's office in Des Moines, Iowa versus Manhattan, huh. right? So, you know, the wages are going to be different. The real estate costs are going to be different. So a lot of it has to do with the underlying costs in the market to deliver health care services. So that's a big thing. And then a lot of it's also around, um, you know, whatever the regulatory environment is. You know, some states like New York have a more onerous regulatory environment, which, again, drives up the, the ultimate end cost. So the fact that that, you know, healthcare in the U.S. is very much uh, a state-by-state and even a, like, a locality-by-locality offering um, is why you see such variance in, in health insurance and healthcare costs generally. Do people ever move to a different state because of cheaper healthcare costs? 
Um, you can see that, right? So particularly for folks who live on borders, and it's a question we get asked a lot by uh, by New Yorkers. We're based in New York. And just even moving to a different zip code could, one, get you more health insurance plan options, oh, and wow. two, they could be a little bit cheaper. So it's definitely something that, you know, comes up because, again, especially if you have a family, health insurance can be a big uh, item in your budget. It just seems so overwhelming. There's it, there's so many choices, and sometimes they can be different by like a few dollars, and yet unless you look at the fine print, you don't know what you could be missing. Well, the nice thing about the Affordable Care Act, um, which is still the law of the land uh, for your audience out there, um, is you're not really at risk of missing anything by choosing a plan, right? So one of the major things that the Affordable Care Act did uh, for consumers was standardize the offerings across different plans and make sure that every plan covered at least the essential health benefits. So you never have to worry, is this plan going to cover cancer? Is this plan going to cover maternity care? Is this plan going to cover if I get into an accident need to go to the emergency room? So everything that you think health insurance should cover is required to be covered under the Affordable Care Act. And there's why is there so much confusion about whether or not the Affordable Care Act is is still in effect? What's been happening in the last uh, few months that's made it so confusing? So many things. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, every few months, you know, Congress has tried to, you know, repeal the Affordable Care Act. Uh, repeal and replace has been a strategy by you know the opposing party to the Affordable Care Act, um, and they haven't really been successful, yes. right? Uh, little little things have happened. So you know, maybe removing the budget for a certain piece of it. So. That that creates confusion. So we actually ran a survey uh, and asked folks, um, you know, true or false, the Affordable Care Act is still, you know, the law of the land. And a lot of people, um, you know, got it incorrect, which is understandable just sure. given everything that's happening in the news and the very confusing headlines and, you know, all the alternative bills that have popped up to replace the Affordable Care Act, which haven't passed. But it just leads to much more confusion around the subject. Absolutely. So could you explain what the individual mandate was and why that made everybody upset? or made some people upset, but made other people not upset. Yeah. <laughs> so the individual mandate states that, you know, you have to have health insurance coverage unless you are uh, exempt, and there are a number of exemptions for religious reasons or uh, a number of other reasons. But basically, everybody has to have health insurance. And the reason why the individual mandate exists is because you need healthy people to subsidize the costs of people who are less healthy, right? So, um, for example, uh, if there wasn't an individual mandate, people would only get health insurance when they got sick, right? right? Or like, oh, my shoulder's starting to hurt. Oh, I've got this nagging cough. Oh, you know, something's about to go wrong. I'm going to enroll in health insurance. So if the only people who had health insurance were people who had really, um, you know, serious illnesses, the system wouldn't work, right? right? So you need healthy people who aren't going to use the plan as much to subsidize the cost for people who are. So that's that's why the individual mandate works. And people didn't like it because Americans, we don't like to get told what to do, right? <laughs> don't don't, don't right. tell me I need to have health insurance. I'll, I'll make that decision for myself. But really, you know, it's the only way that the system works. And also, it's the only way pre-existing conditions are covered. So oh, before the Affordable Care Act and before the individual mandate that was introduced as part of the Affordable Care Act, pre-existing conditions could be excluded. You could be charged more um, for your health history, right, which made, you know, health insurance, you know, kind of discriminatory for folks who needed it the most. Um, and if you think that, you know, health insurance should be available for, for anybody, you've got to have, you know, the healthy people as part of the individual mandate also buying into health insurance.
So what are some people who are anti-individual mandate or, you know, but anti-universal health care? Like, what are some suggestions they have to keep America healthy? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that any are particularly viable. I mean, the big thing that's come up is, you know, uh, health savings accounts. So that was one of the one of the original bills uh, intended to replace the Affordable Care Act. There was a big emphasis on uh, HSAs. Meaning, sure. um, you know, people had the ability to save more of their money to to cover their health care costs. So really it was moving toward, you know, a pay-as-you-go system, kind of moving health insurance toward, you know, what retirement is today, which is like basically you're on your own and you have to um, fund your own retirement, right? And, you know, you can rely on Social Security, but may, maybe you won't be there when, when you and I turn 65, that's, right? That's so, fascinating. Um, there haven't been, at least in my opinion, super viable alternatives if you believe that people with pre-existing conditions should also be able to afford health care. Oh, that's fascinating. And yes, so in this political climate today, a lot of people don't want Obamacare, but there's a confusion between what Obamacare is mm-hmm. and what the Affordable Care Act is. And mm-hmm. Unfortunately, one was labeled as the other, but they're both the same thing. They're the same thing. And that was one of the questions we asked in the survey, and a lot of people are still confused, um, you know, thinking that Obamacare was repealed and the Affordable Care Act is still around. It was called Obamacare as kind of a derogatory term, yeah. but it's the same thing. It's the same and, thing. Yeah. And it really, you know, all politics aside, a lot of what it did was just instituted, like, pro-consumer protections on health insurance plans that just made it easier for people to, to find coverage. It's not cheap, and health insurance even before the Affordable Care Act wasn't cheap either. That's true. Um, so there was never, you know, at least in, in our lifetime, and never a magical moment when health insurance was, you know, surprisingly affordable. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that that was that was a trend long before the Affordable Care Act of, you know, health care costs, you know, skyrocketing and growing faster than inflation even. So why does it seem like it's getting more expensive every year? Because it is, unfortunately. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the the uncertainty, the regulatory uncertainty, right? Yeah. So uncertainty drives up costs. Um, and, you know, it's just been a fact uh, of life that healthcare costs have been rising uh, much faster than a lot of costs. Uh, and a big piece of that has been the aging population, right? right. You've got, you know, 10,000 people turning 65 every day in this country, huh. you know, older people require more care, you know, that's going to that's gonna drive up costs as well. So uh, unless you've got a younger population, you know, kind of offsetting that, then, you know, that's where a lot of the costs are coming to as well. We're living longer, which is great. So healthcare, you know, as the technology is advancing, but just the costs generally continue to continue to rise. Again, even though the ACA is still in effect, um, into a mandate is still in effect, um, what do people need to know about health care in America in 2018? Sure. So, one, you should have health insurance. Two, <laughs> two um, you know, the way if you don't get health insurance from your employer, uh, which still, you know, applies to, I think, most uh, consumers in America, um, you can go to your um, state marketplace for health insurance. So, healthcare.gov is the federal one that majority of states use. There are a lot of states like California and New York who created their own health insurance marketplace. In California, it's called Covered California. Uh, in New York, it's called the New York State of Health. And so all it is is just basically a marketplace where you enter in your zip code, how many people in your household, uh, what your household income is, and then you can see the plans available to you. Uh, it's also where you can qualify for a subsidy. One of the other benefits of the Affordable Care Act is they introduce subsidies to help uh, defray the cost of uh, health insurance premiums. So, you know, if you make below, you know, as an individual in New York around 50000 $60,000 a year, you'd qualify for some sort of subsidy oh, that you can that. apply directly to uh, your health insurance premiums. And that would 
would vary from state to state. It some would. states have subsidies. Yeah. Some states don't. Adding to the confusion. So some states, yeah. uh, some states will have Medicaid expansion, right? Some didn't. So it all creates a, a whole bit of confusion. But the easiest way to figure out, you know, do I qualify for a subsidy? What is health insurance going to cost me? Just go to your state marketplace. We are outside of open enrollment now. So you would only be able to get health insurance on a state exchange if you have a life event, like you lose coverage through your job or, you know, you move, you have a family situation change. So um, that's just one caveat to note. So today in March. So when is the next open enrollment? So open enrollment typically starts in the fall. So November. So federal open enrollment will start November 1st, typically, uh, and usually go through December or January. Okay. So here's my last question. Well, first of all, tell us how um, Policy Genius works and how it can help people like me who are super confused about health insurance. Definitely. So we've got a health insurance offering uh, on our site. So if you go to our site, policygenius.com, we have a health insurance marketplace as well. So we've got every single plan that you would see on your state insurance marketplace. We also have plans that you wouldn't see. They're called off-marketplace or off-exchange plans. They still have to comply with the Affordable Care Act, but there's a little bit more flexibility. So, you know, we've got uh, the broadest selection of plans that you can find. And and the difference of using us versus your state marketplace is we provide a lot of the decision support to help you pick a plan, right? The costs are the same, right? The costs are dictated by where you live and your zip code and family size. But, you know, what makes the shopping experience different with us is we actually walk you through the questions (laughs) that you need to answer and the things you need to think about, right? So the big thing is like, what can you afford, right? So people in a vacuum can't answer that question. You're like, I don't know what it's going to cost. If I'd opt for a cheaper plan, what happens then? So we actually walk you through that series of trade-offs, like how big your deductible should be and what the trade-off is if you choose a lower deductible. So there's really just a handful of questions you need to kind of figure out and optimize for. The thing to remember about health insurance, there's no silver bullet. There's not a needle in the haystack. You're not going to find the magical plan that's cheap and (laughs) with a low deductible. It's Um, cheap, it has low deductible, it covers everything. It covers everything. All my doctors are in it. So you won't find that one, right? You're, You're just basically optimizing for, do I want a cheaper premium? but with a higher deductible and vice versa. So we walk you through all of that so you can see at the end, all right, here are the set of plans that, you know, meet my must-haves and and my nice-to-haves. I think that's the most important thing because people, you know, just like with financial literacy, there's also healthcare literacy. Mm -hmm. Like people are embarrassed to not really understand how a deductible works. People are embarrassed to... Like, what's the difference between an HMO and a PPO? Like, I don't know. I'm just not going to bother. Right. And I think that to have someone walk you through it who isn't condescending or isn't going to hang up on you, mm-hmm. you know, someone who can just say, like, no, this is confusing and you deserve to know the answers to these questions. You deserve to have health care and you don't want to sign up for the wrong thing. You want to know what you're paying for. Right. Absolutely. So, so I think that's really important. And I had um, ACA insurance and I got it through the state. And it was a kind of a clunky experience at the time. It was early days, and the website was a little wonky. It was it mm-hmm. felt a little bit like an old GeoCity yeah. site. <laughs> and Looked it like it, too. Yeah, it did, and it made for an experience that may have alienated some people. Um, I had a very positive experience um, when I was freelancing with it. I think people really need to know that there is affordable health care out there for you if you're worried that there isn't, and you just have to look to your state, look to a site like yours, and mm-hmm. just don't be afraid of be intimidated by it. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the more important decisions that you'll have to make financially. Financially, so, you know, better to go uninformed. 
Absolutely. And you can take advantage of it. You know, go take advantage of your physicals, you know. Absolutely. Do all these things that you're paying for and take advantage of it to see what it covers. Whatever is free, it's yours. Yeah, you know? there's a, actually a lot of free benefits that, you know, you can take advantage of. So cholesterol screenings, you know, uh, STD screenings. So, you know, plans um, have to require a lot of the free benefits. So, yeah. you know, there, there's advantages to that, to, you know, detecting things early. Absolutely. I go to the doctor because they, because I feel I'm so lucky to have health insurance. I just say, test, test everything. Tell me I'm doing great. <laughs> just so the validation is worth it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you, Lindsay, for having me. Thanks for listening to Teach Me How to Money. Send us your questions at teachmehowtomoney at stashinvest.com, and we'll try to answer them on a future episode. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review on the iTunes store, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Ready to start investing? Sign up for Stash and then enter the promo code PODCAST and you'll get $5 to get started on your financial journey. Stash, it's your money, simplified. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute a recommendation from Stash to the listener. Neither Stash nor any of its officers, directors, or employees makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any of the information contained in this podcast and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Stash, and Stash is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of advice by Stash to the listener, nor to constitute such a person a client of Stash.